everyone, and welcome to Boost Her, conversations designed to inspire you, me, and her. I'm your host, Nia Mason, and this month of December is all about celebrating our boss boosters. Boosters who are bosses both within their companies and definitely bosses in their own right. We kick off Boss Booster Month with my friend Naveen Rashid, Princeton grad, professional basketball player, and now Director of Brand Communications at the National Basketball Players Association. Naveen talks to us about her path to the MBPA and how, as a hoop head herself, staying close to the game was a major motivator for her taking on a role within the association. We learn how preparing for a conversation around salary negotiation actually led to her doing the proactive legwork towards transforming, revamping, and ultimately running the NBPA's brand comms department and all of the work that went into both the negotiation as well as what goes into the role itself. As we move through our conversation, we get a sense for why Naveen's motto and the advice she gives to others is to shoot your shot, going into detail on what exactly that means to her and how it applies across all areas of her life. Naveen shares with us her pride for her Palestinian culture and how, as the youngest of five siblings, that love and pride has been instilled in her early and is a love and pride that her family has felt privileged to share with others throughout their lives, social media platforms, and professions. Lastly, we talked to Naveen about community. As a friend of our season one booster, Alex Taylor, Naveen gives credit to her Hoop York City community for the sisterhood, her Palestinian community for the never-ending love and support, her Princeton community for the imprint it has on her heart, and we end by thanking Naveen for adding a new community to her list, our booster community. Okay, Brand Communications Director for the National Basketball Players Association. Coming from a brand with its own communication silo, I can always speculate what all goes into a role like yours, but can you elaborate on what goes into your day-to-day and what all encompasses your role? So first and foremost, the MBPA is the union for the National Basketball Players I think what's unique is we obviously, first and foremost, we're a service for the players. We're a union for the players, but also we're the people that communicate and amplify the player's voice. So what that means is what they need for their rights, what they want to get done from a philanthropic side, what they want to portray themselves as. We're really just the tools to communicate that to everything external from the fans to potential business partners to the media. So again, which is kind of unique and cool. It's like our bosses are the players and we just have to figure out how do we communicate that. It is super unique. I think the first time we met, we had just gotten our butts whooped by the Chinese national team. And (laughs) I think shortly after I asked you to help me coach my high school girls team and you politely declined because I think you were heading to New York for this exact opportunity. What all led you to accepting this role and how did your previous work or even athletic experiences prepare you for this role? So my background, I'm a basketball player. As we know, we met at Nike HQ during that beautiful game against like 16 year old players that did kick our ass. But I think we held it down as best we could. I played at Princeton. I played overseas for a year. I know we joke about this, but I made the dumbest decision in my life and decided to go corporate which is great. You know, I've gone over it, I think, but (laughs) I accepted a job 
it was an agency. It's called Team, Team Epiphany. And the job was a Nike basketball community manager. So I always knew I wanted to be in sports. I always knew I loved basketball. I didn't really know the different jobs out there. And just, again, just activating the network, talking to a few people, connected me. They're like, hey, like you should get into like more of like the marketing side and the culture side of basketball. And for me, that kind of clicked. I was like, oh, I love basketball. But like, I think what I love most about basketball, especially when you're at that burnout stage, is like, I think I like the culture side. I like the sneaker side. I like the vibe it brings. So it was a really cool opportunity to work for an agency for Nike. And at that time, you know, we were going on campus every other day, basically. We were working with the sports marketing teams, the brand teams, the digital teams. It was cool. It was like you're a part of that execution and everything with the events, product launches, sports marketing around the players. So for me, I really loved it. And after, I think, honestly, I was only there for like two years, maybe. And this job just kind of fell into my lap because again, this always goes back to like, always put in a good first impression. My first internship at the NBA, my old boss became an agent for someone who then connected me to someone that was like, Hey, you'd be perfect for the MVPA. And I was like, so yeah, I took this opportunity mainly because the MVPA is such a unique space that it is the union and it really lets you connect to all the different sides of the basketball industries. I started off really just helping on social and building out like this digital footprint. And it was kind of a no job description role. And it really built into something, you know, it was during a formative time of the MBPA. It was during the, the CBA was up. And again, I was just like, this could be a really cool learning experience. So kind of took a chance and obviously has paid off and has been so fulfilling in a sense of like how much I've learned and how much I've been exposed to. Yeah. And what are we at four years later and now you're a director? Six years later. Six years crazy? later. <laughs> I know. Okay. When I think of the National Basketball Players Association, the first thing that comes to my mind is this male dominated workspace centered around accommodating a male dominated league. But from what you told me, that isn't necessarily the case. Can you talk to me about the MBPA as a more diverse working environment than one may initially think and how your experience as a minority woman working there has been? It is a very unique spot because our executive director is this badass you know, leader, Michelle Roberts. Her term is up. She's retiring. And then now it's another badass woman who's starting beginning of the new year. And then if you look at our exec team, it's very much so female-led, female-driven you look at our employee list, it's been even before this whole push of everyone's hitting their DEI. This is what the culture is. And honestly, this is such a testament and reflection of the players. Again, the NBA is the most diverse, I would say, sport in the world. And our players make up the most diverse kind of players. So it only made sense that their union reflects who they are. So again, this is a testament of who they wanted in charge. I remember... If you like look up Michelle Roberts' interviews after she got the job, the players are like, we knew this woman would fight for us. We didn't care if she's a woman. We knew she was the best person for the job. And when you have the executive committee leading that, that just trickles down. So I've always felt empowered as a woman. If I ever felt anything different, like I've never felt shy to bring that up. I would say if anything, it was more of like an ageism thing. Because again, being at a union, it's traditionally lawyers and traditionally that kind of space. So when we, they started doing a little bit more of the creative innovation side and more of the marketing side, and it became like diverse tools and whatnot, that's when you started bringing in different folks. But I would felt always empowered to be a minority woman in this space. That's something I'm super proud of. You know, if you walk into a, a conference room with MBPA folks, you're going to see diverse people. 
it's awesome. I think that's probably one of my favorite things working there. Moments where you feel down, especially in the past year, when there's been a lot of like heavy stuff, it's been very easy to work at a place that you don't have to explain, or, you know, you could talk to someone about something like for me, when the Palestine stuff was happening earlier this year, like I have multiple coworkers reaching out without a question, which to me is like that feeling of like, all right, you understand where I'm coming from. And I got you when you need me to get you like, that's something that I'm very fortunate for. One thing that I admire about you, and it was something I noticed the first few times we met and talked was that you really aren't afraid of going after what you want, taking your shot. I think you said, and I had the pleasure of learning that about you on and off the basketball court. Why is it important for you to encourage young women to not be afraid to tackle achieving their goals or advancing in their careers this way? Yeah. My thing is always like, take your shots, right? Like, obviously you're not going to take a ridiculous shot. Like if we're going into like a basketball sense, you've done the work, you've put in the time. If you see the shot, take it. Like if you don't, you pass up an opportunity and it might burn you in the end. But I've always felt taking your shots, if it's a promotion, if it's taking lead on a project, those are moments where, you know, you'll do the work and you'll get to that point where you feel confident enough to take the shot. And if it doesn't work out, you learn from it. And you're like, why didn't the shot work out? And I think to me, if you feel that moment, it's like that adrenaline. It's like, all right, this is me. I got this. And I feel like if you truly believe in yourself, that means then everything kind of works out. Even if it doesn't work out, it works out, you know? That's true. A topic that always comes up in the booster club one way or another is the topic of confidence. We've had boosters talk about the fake it till you make it model, the trial and error model, all kinds of different ways that they have found and continue to expand upon their personal brand of confidence. How important is confidence within brand comms at the MBPA? And how do you feel you best express and continue to grow in your confidence? Being an expert technically in my field, right? You kind of have to have that confidence. And especially now, everything has been very reactive. A lot of things you have to respond to, a lot of strategies, being confident of what you're an expert is and being that voice, you have to be or else no one else will trust you. So for me, it's not so much faking it till you make it. Of course, there's a lot of moments to you make it, but it's more so having the confidence that you believe what you're suggesting is the best option. You can have all the confidence, but if you don't have the trust of someone or your team, then your confidence is really just a bluff. So I always try to think like doing the work the whole year, the 365 to build that trust. So those moments when you can take those shots, you do have that confidence in yourself and your team has a confidence in you. And I think this kind of goes back to us being these athletes. And that's what you just are taught. You have to be confident. A lot of it goes into the work you do. And if you're not confident in something, that just shows you something. All right, I need to work on this. And those are always these learning experiences. But my aura is like, I try to be confident. I try to be this even kill, calm, cool, collected. And if I'm not, then people can sense that. Going back to what you said about being an athlete, it's always the games. You know that week of practice kicked your butt, but you crushed it. And you know you studied the scout. And that's when you walk in with the utmost confidence. And that's the reason I've always said preparation is the key to confidence and authentic confidence. Totally authentic. Yeah. That's, I think to me is the key part. Another important one that we haven't discussed too much in season two, but it is all throughout season one is the topic of salary negotiation. Have you ever had to negotiate your salary before? And if you have, what were sort of the ups and downs of that experience? A little backstory. I started at MBPA November 2015. So this is literally my sixth year. Two years into it, my director, my boss, he left to go back to the Wizards and be the director of comms there. 
And it was like kind of an interesting point of the MBPA. Like we just created our for-profit arm, I think 450. Our comms person is leaving. I was in the comms department, but I was more of like a digital strategist, more of like a content person. And I just remember like my director, the president of Think 450 at the time and Michelle Roberts, our executive director, were in a room like, all right, what the hell are we going to do? We bring in someone new, like we doing, what are we doing here? And I literally, again, took my shot. I felt it and I was like, I could do this. And I kind of knew this meeting was happening. So I kind of like quickly prepared like a quick like little one, like three-sheeter and was like, this is what it is. This is what I think we could do. Give me a few days to build this out. I could run this department. She was like, all right, let me see what you got. Build it out. So did my homework. I called every single person I knew that ran a department, managed people to, you know, running comms at, from a Nike to running brand comms to running content to social. And I just kind of talked to everyone I knew and like built out, took some notes. And I, then I did like an internal audit of like, all right, what are we doing well? What are we missing? And I actually transformed our comms department into a brand comms department because I was like, we have to appeal to the brands and appeal to the media, appeal to also the fans now. So I just saw an opportunity. And given that I built out like what the scope of work for everyone on my team, I built out, this is the budget I need for each person on my team. And then of course I was like, my salary is going to be what the other director's salary was. My first time being a director, building a department, my executive director was like, oh, you crazy. No, absolutely not. This is when I knew I was like kind of younger at the time. I like, laughed when she like responded to me and I didn't keep it like a straight face. I was like, yeah, I understand. Like <laughs> that was wild. But then she came back with a number and then I knew what my bottom number would be and I, I felt comfortable with it. And I was like, yeah, I hear you, but this is going to be a hell of a lot of work and I'm going to make this better than what you had before. So for cheaper... I'm going to give you a more efficient, more productive department. If anything, it was like the trust in that situation to like build my department and kind of grow. But again, I think another thing too, is like, I've done it and I failed. And those moments you fail and you know, you get the feedback to get that promotion or that salary increase. Then you ask the questions of like, Oh, why do you think I'm not there yet? And then you kind of internalize that. You're like, okay, like these are the moments I need to grow. And these are the measurements of success I need to show you to get to the next point. But again, you don't know that unless you ask. So I think, again, it's always an opportunity to either you win or you don't win technically, but you win by knowing what you need to do. And you could come back six months or a year later and kind of go with that. Everyone who's talked about salary negotiation has kind of been along the same lines as you where it's a conversation. It's not a yes or no conversation done. It's like, a let me explain my worth. Let me hear your feedback on how I feel my worth is. And let's like talk about this, but I know that I'm worth a little bit more. And that's why we're having this conversation. For sure. And then like worst case, which again, is not a worst case is, you know, your employer doesn't really value you or you think you need to be valued. And you're like, all right, that's my time. That's when I know, you know, it's my time to grow and move forward. Lastly, I want to talk about your family and your background. 2021 was not an easy year given the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And I know it was a time that you wanted to be sure to exude your pride in both your family and your heritage. You and your sister were a big component in inspiring me to educate myself further in this space as well. Can you talk about your family unit, the love you have for one another, and why them and your Palestinian pride is a major source of confidence for you? Yeah, so I'm first-generation American. My parents immigrated from Palestine. My dad came during the 67 war, and then my mom followed, I think, in 74. So 
you know, we've been in America for a while, but we have those family ties in Palestine. I think my parents did an amazing job raising me and my four siblings. So I'm the youngest of five. I'm the baby. A lot of people say they could tell, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, my oldest is my brother and then there's four girls. So I think my parents were trying for another boy and they got me the perfect combination. <laughs> but no, I think my parents really raised us right. You know, we're raised Muslim. I love my Muslim faith and my mom and dad really showed us Palestinian pride in a way they showed us the beauty and it was never stemmed from hate. It was just understanding the history and understanding what's going on. And then the day understanding it's a human rights problem and a human rights issue. So that's kind of how I've always been very embedded in the Palestinian fight. And, you know, my oldest sister who actually worked at the Palestinian embassy in New York for the past 22 years. I don't know. I don't want to age her. Sorry, Nadia. But now she's an ambassador to Palestine in Uruguay. So she's kind of had this more forward facing role. And when this moment happened late spring, early summer, it was a moment to educate because I feel like this is not new. This happens every day. It's just people are listening right now. And it's a moment to kind of educate. And, you know, if you followed my content, my sister's content, I was fortunate to be raised being very close to the Palestinian culture. But then also I moved to a town that was a little bit more actually very white. You know, I was probably the only Muslim. My older siblings grew up in Oakland Hayward. They had more diverse people around them. And I moved to like a very white neighborhood. The reason we moved to this area is because we had a racist neighbor in our old town that kind of drove us out. We were like, we didn't go to freaking gated community because this freaking racist neighbor who was homies with the police that wouldn't actually take our issues serious. So that was like kind of the crux of it. So it's always this knowing who you are and being proud of it. And I feel like I've talked about this with a lot of other immigrant kids is like, you go to a town, you're like, wait, I like, I don't know. I, I feel a little different here, but I can't remember my finger on it. Like, why do boys not have crushes on me right now? I, I don't understand. It's like, oh, it's because everyone else is white around me. I understand now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long way to say, like, my parents have always made me like so proud of who I was and, you know, where we came from. And it was showing my friends, bringing people in, my mom cook home cooking for them, my friends fasting with me during Ramadan and then celebrating and championing that that really made me so proud and, you know, make sure everyone else understands the beauty and love part of both my Muslim and my Palestinian sides. That's why I love social. I was able to connect with you about it. And you asking me for resources and whatnot, it's all fun and it's all love. Also, it's amazing being a Palestinian Muslim woman and being a basketball player and people are like, oh, wow, your parents are proud of that. I'm like, yeah, you see them. My mom is freaking like pointing at herself when I score a point thinking like she scored a point. It's like, you have people from my home village emailing and sending each other news clippings. And I also knew I was representing something bigger. So it was pretty amazing to kind of have that like honor. I just love the way that you represent your heritage. I've always been a fan of it. And it sounds like our moms would get along very well because <laughs> my mom likes to take credit for my baskets too. Now I really love it. The fact that I'd look over from the bench, uh, see my mom like pointing and everyone high-fiving her. Like she just freaking scored. I'm like, go you mom, you deserve this. All right. The Booster Up segment is here. I know you're familiar, so let's just dive right in. First question. (laughs) We all know the journey has its peaks and valleys, highs and lows that we will all experience along our paths. As you look back on your journey to date, what is a significant low that you faced and how do you feel like you made it through? I know we talked about this too, because I think obviously I've had many lows, so that's not to say that, but I'm trying to think of a low that yeah, like let's be real. Everyone's had many lows. I'm trying to think of a low that really has helped me and like 
bring me to like a new place. And I think honestly, I think I might be in a kind of a low right now in a way that, you know, everything's great. I'm very blessed, very happy with everything, but I am at the end of the day, an athlete. I am a competitor. I am someone who is always thinking, you know, five steps ahead a little bit. And I think lately I've missed the game. I miss being closer to the game. I think what's my next step going to be? What other responsibilities do I want to take on to bring me to my end goal? And I think if you ask me today, my end goal is I want to be a GM of a team. I want to be a GM of an NBA team. I'm thinking, what is it going to bring me there? Right now I'm 30. I've been the director at you know, my current role for four years now. Accomplished what I want to accomplish, but like, what more could I take on or what other responsibilities or what else do I need to add to my toolkit? And that's kind of a low because there's so much unknown and there's no freaking guidebook to how to get there. So some days I'm really inspired. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to freaking read the CDA. I'm going to talk to these people and activate my network. And other days I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, I don't know. I think I'm kind of going through it right now. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's very much so a discovery phase. Again, when I know what my goal is, I'm a goal-oriented person. Like I'm going to go for it. I'm going to attack it. I'm going to give it 110. So I think right now I'm like running the offense, but I'm not like going to score yet. You know, going back to my lame basketball analogies, finding the beauty in the discovery phase and finding the beauty in this like, all right, I'm not complacent, but I am okay. <laughs> yeah. I relate with that 100%. When I finished playing, I had never worked before. I'd never had a job. So everything was fine. Like all I had done was just stop playing. I knew like I was never not going to get a job, but it was like, where, what do I, how do I move right now? How do I score? What's the goal? And it did feel like mm-hmm. a low. Cause you just felt so lost. Everything was fine, but it was like, <laughs> what am I doing? You don't have a guidebook and you have to figure it out and it's okay. But now as we are we're older, we're like less hard on ourselves. I'm like, it's okay. Recently, my coworker who might listen to this and a good friend of mine, we always say like, don't mistake like activity for achievement. Right now I'm like, I don't want to be doing activity. I want to achieve some things. So that's where I've kind of get stuck sometimes, but it's okay to have some activity. I'm staying in shape, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Before I get you out of here, how about a significant high along your journey and what was learned or gained in that process that you carry with you today? I think my favorite part of my journey is coming to New York. And obviously my job is great. I have family here, but my favorite thing is the community. And I learned how much I love community and how much I love being tied into my city, doing activities. So like many examples, I know you had Alex Taylor here before, but like Hoop York City in that community and having that feeling being connected over basketball. But like, to me, that showed understanding like, oh, okay. I love fostering community and engaging my community and like connecting to my community And I want to figure out ways to apply that in my work, what I do. But yeah, to me, the highest thing in my journey is that opened my eyes of like, all right, but then maybe it's not only a New York thing of like, how can I build a community bigger than just New York? When you find certain things that you're super connected to and super passionate about, I didn't even think that would be a high before (laughs) this conversation, but I'm like, yeah, that's a huge high. And then I think back of like my favorite moments, it always kind of drives around community my Princeton community, my basketball community, my Palestinian community, you know, like there's so much that really defined who I am. So that high is just making sure that wherever you are, no matter what it is, you are able to find that sense of community and just really engulf yourself in it. Yeah. People empowering you, that's your work community, whatever that is. I think that's something I've learned. And, you know, as I'm doing this discovery phase, that's a must for me. I want a community. I love it. I love everything about today. It's so good to catch up with you. It's always great to chat. Before I let you go, is there any last things you want to say? 
keep on like engaging with each other, reach out to each other. I think everyone's kind of willing to help you figure it out as long as you have the good intentions. Like I do that still. I'm quote unquote, like set in my job. I'm established, but like, no, I'm still figuring it out. And I reach out to people younger, older than me, more established, just figuring it out. And, you know, I think it's really just leaning on each other and not being afraid to ask the questions. And then the day everyone just really does what everyone else succeed. So don't be afraid. Don't be shy. And it's always kind of worked out. I know how important community is for you. I'm so thankful for you joining this new community of boosters. I can't wait to see what's next for you. Thank you. Now we got to get you out to New York. Got to get me for real. Gotta get, I have to be on that Hoop York City court at some point, even if I'm running <laughs> the court in a walker. I want to be there. <laughs> I got you. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Boost Her, conversations designed to inspire you, me, and her. As Naveen looks to her next step in switching up the activity for finding her next achievement, we in the Booster Club will be following and cheering her on every step of the way. To keep in the know with Naveen and also our other boosters across seasons one and two, feel free to give us a follow at Boost Her Podcast, all one word. We are just getting started with our collection of Boss Boosters, so buckle up because we have an invite list for the month of December that we are certain you won't want to miss out on. Like, share, and subscribe across your favorite podcast streaming sites to make sure you don't miss one moment of the excitement we have planned here in the Booster Club. Again, thank you for listening to Booster, where we will happily pull up a seat at the table for you as a reminder that while individually we may be great, Collectively, we are magic.